0: i'm raven
1: and i'm a mod and we're For the, the heads.
0: Heads. You have what are we okay I, I didn't know if you i didn't double <laughs> check <laughs> welcome to hood tales where we take you through the ups downs and merry-go-rounds of millennial marriage and today we have our first official expert on the podcast miss portia brown we are the in-studio audience <laughs> uh, portia is a sexual empowerment coach that teaches women how to have mindful sex discover how powerful pleasure is and to unlock our most authentic self by undoing the social conditioning we've had around sex and that's a phrase all within itself <laughs> so Portia I know that we both grew up kind of churchy um so I'm curious as to how that impacted your sexual experience
2: well first of all thank y'all for having me I love having uh conversations with people and this is the first time I've had a podcast interview with a couple so I'm very excited oh sweet Um, But yeah, for me personally, my journey with embracing my sexuality as a person who grew up in a Christian home in a conservative Midwestern Black Christian home has been a journey almost a decade in the making. It's ongoing. It's a conversation I continue to have with myself, with my friends, with my partner as time goes on. A lot of the obstacles that I overcame and I I am overcoming and things that my clients deal with is this idea of shame. I talk to a lot of even married women that are still trying to undo and release a lot of shame around sex and sexuality, because from the time you are old enough to touch yourself (laughs) or touch another person, you're being policed and blocked into like what kind of interactions are appropriate and which ones are not. And while it's done from a place of love and protectiveness by our elders, that sort of thinking can be buried really deep within us. And it can be very hard to let go of, even when we're officially having the kind of sex we're supposed to have, right? Cis, hetero, married, Christian-ass sex. And a lot of it is still hard to overcome. Um, Another thing that I have been working through and a lot of my clients that are people of faith are working through is self-pleasure and masturbation. That's something we're told that we're not supposed to do, that we're not supposed to access, especially if you're in a partnership, if you're in a relationship, there are very, very specific implications of what doing something like that might mean. And so it's an ongoing conversation of how do we engage with our faith if we choose to continue to? While also honoring our intuitive desires and our desire for pleasure. In my personal journey, and it's going to be different for everybody, I have had to interrogate the things I was told from a pulpit or in a youth group more often, uh, versus what does the text actually say and what have I derived from my personal relationship with God. And everyone's relationship with God is very different. So, your End result or where you land in these conversations is going to be different. But if I can impart any wisdom to people that are people of faith, of any kind of faith, not just Christianity, who are struggling with religious trauma or residue from purity culture, it's to interrogate your faith for yourself. Yeah. And we all have to realize that the things we are told are an interpretation. And with building a relationship with God for yourself, you also will have your own interpretation of the text and what God's teachings are. So, yeah, it's a, it's an ongoing because it it has a lot more to do with life and how you relate to your faith more so even than sex itself. Yeah, for sure,
0: because we definitely had hurdles like that, because um, especially once we were engaged and, like, you know, we having sex, and not immediately. I'm in convicted. Like, girl, why? You are literally about to marry this man. Why are you feeling bad <laughs> about having sex? Like, you're going to be doing this, planning to do this for the rest of your life with this person. Like, this is nuts. Like, literally nuts. Yeah. <laughs> I have,
2: I've had clients, and this is, I'm sharing this for anyone that is listening that's also going through this. I want them to know, number one, like, you are not alone. And number two, this is something you can seek help for. I've had clients that are married, been married for years, and they're unable to have penetrative sex without discomfort. They are showing signs of things like vaginismus and vulvodynia, which if you don't know, is um, a, I hate to use the word disorder, but it is an experience where women actually experience their vagina closing or they experience burning when there's penetration or pain. And there's not a lot of, there's not enough research for us to definitively say it's all in people's heads, but there is a psychosomatic emotional component to your body closing down in that way and resisting Mm -hmm. penetration. And a, a lot of those people cite having religious upbringings where they're told, no, 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 keep your legs closed, keep your legs crossed, like shut this down, shut this part of yourself down. And it can be very difficult to access it with ease, even when there's a ring on your finger. So if you're going through that, please know that you're not alone and seek support from a sex therapist and or gynecologist, trauma informed gynecologist, if you can.
0: Yeah, for sure. I actually had a friend that went through that um, right before she had a baby. Um, and so she was and then it happened again right after the fact and she was just like okay (laughs) something's going on as to why I feel like this is just not working Um, and I really had never heard about it until then and I was like wow okay mental note like never (laughs) knew that that was even something that could happen yeah
2: I was just saying it can it can be a very shameful thing for people so people don't really talk about it but it is more common than we think
0: for sure uh, so, what led you to this journey? Like, how did you become the sex empowerment coach that you are?
2: Yeah, it's been a lifelong journey. I remember being really young, like around puberty, and again, grew up in a churchy family and we didn't really talk about sex. My mom, my mom and I never even talked about sex until a few years ago. All right. She never really? gave me mm-hmm, she never gave me the sex talk. I don't think she had the language for herself, hmm. but what she did do for my little sister and I, I have a sister that's a year younger, you all know. And she gave us a book. She gave us the, it's the one that every little girl had. American Yes. the of keeping You or something like that. Yep. And I read it and it was all about like your period and going through puberty. And I was like, oh, like, she's not going to talk to me about this. She's telling me that in my like 11 and 12 year old mind, I was like, she's telling me like, there are resources for you to figure this out. And so I grew up two blocks from the Bridgeport Public Library and girl, I was in there getting every book on sex intimacy on I, there were, I remember one time I didn't realize it because I was so young. I tried to check out a book. I don't remember exactly the title, but it was not age appropriate. I was like in middle school and the the librarian was like, you cannot check this out. You are a child. And so I said, okay. And I went inside the corner and read it. So from a young age, I was very, very curious about sexuality. I was very, very curious about um, pregnancy and how menstruation works and how our bodies actually function. And I was a bookworm. So I read all about it. Um, And from that experience, you know, I grew up and went on. And when I graduated and went to college and I started having sex myself, I noticed that in conversations with a lot of my friends, I was the one that was the most vocal, the most likely to bring up sex, and also the one that wasn't perpetuating a lot of myths. And I was coming with facts because I had read the books, right? And in college, I started to volunteer around sexuality and doing on-campus consent workshops and things of that nature. And then I graduated and I moved on with my life and I didn't know at the time that this was a career I could follow or that would fit me. Mm -hmm. And I went on, I graduated with a degree in broadcast news and I became a news reporter. I had a few different jobs. I moved out to New York City. And this thing kept sort of picking at me of like, Having, having conversations about sex. I started a blog that had nothing to do with sex. It was a lifestyle blog. And I always wanted to talk about relationships and intimacy, but I felt very afraid because I was like, I don't really, I don't really know if I can do that. And I don't know how I'll be perceived by people on the outside because sex is such an, a controversial topic, especially in the community and the family that I come from. And one day I lost my job in March of 2019. And my partner was like, why don't you do something with sexuality and intimacy? You're always reading about it, talking about it. Like you're obsessed with shampoo drama on YouTube. Like you're (laughs) constantly in this conversation. And so I started Phroetic Sexology, which was the original name of my Instagram account. And over time it got some traction and I started to grow a little bit of a following. And people started DMing me, asking me questions. And I was spending a lot of time going back and forth with people because I love having these conversations about sexuality and what's happening in people's lives. And eventually things sort of snowballed. Again, the pandemic came and it offered me an opportunity to put more focus into Sharpening my skills as a coach, learning about what sex coaching can be and what it even was and how to start a business. And eventually those DMs began became calls, and those calls became group coaching programs. And now I've been doing this since May of 2020. This is <laughs> it has been a while, Yeah, it was kind of an accident, but also something I've been kind of doing and cultivating for most of my life.
0: That's really interesting that I, you know, I got the book too, you know, <laughs> and, but I never, it never clicked in my brain to like, therefore go beyond that as far as reading goes. Um, but I will say my mom definitely talked to us about sex, you know, when for one, me and my sister are out of wedlock. So like, that's, that's number one. <laughs> so like, you know, there were, it was quite obvious that you had clearly been having sex and like, she was very open with us about sex. It was never a no masturbation no um it was always don't be having sex because don't bring a baby up in my house but if you're gonna do Mm -hmm. it these are the condoms these are ones for men these are ones for women but just I never it was never a don't it was just the don't bring no baby home you know (laughs) and so it was never my mind never said okay I've read this book my sister has a book too but I never said okay let me go beyond this to be like okay so just you just put a penis in there and that's sex Like, I never thought to go to read beyond that until I was actually, like, doing it. And at that point, porn is involved and everything else. And, like, you never... It wasn't until we really were dating seriously that I, like, became the marriage podcast junkie that I am now and listening to everybody else and figuring out how they're doing it. Because (laughs) now I'm like, okay, I'm not about to be miserable. You know what I mean? So, like, let's figure this out now. (laughs) Because come wedding night, I'm not... I'm not going to be that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I
2: can't. <laughs> I can't do it. Yeah, I I think people feel a lot of shame about seeking support or buying books about marriage, even just relationship stuff. Mm-hmm. We feel like we're supposed to intuitively know how to be in a relationship with somebody, how to communicate with someone and how to build a life with them. And there's an even deeper level of shame when it comes to Damn, sex with this person. I love them down, but it's not it's not doing it for me it's not hitting all the way like what can we do people feel a deep level of shame or embarrassment if they need to seek those resources and people that grew up in our generation especially millennials porn was our first teacher about sex yes and one thing that i always say i'm a person that i'm an advocate for pornography if you like it and it helps you access fantasy and it helps you access arousal great go for it but do not be mistaken Those people are not having sex. That is not sex. This is not porn and porn is not sex. So for that to be, for a lot of us, the first ways we're introduced to our sexuality and what intimacy can look like, it can paint a very limiting picture. And then you go into a relationship, your first relationship, or you go into a marriage and you haven't had sex before and you're trying to emulate that. You may be wondering like, this is not... (laughs) (laughs) This is not adding up. How? Why am I not feeling the way the people in these videos? The noises are not happening. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's not not what it's supposed to give. But yeah, I think people feel a deep level of shame. So kudos to you for finding podcasts and finding resources. Because if nothing else, just listening to other people have conversations about their relationships, their marriages, and what they're doing in the bedroom helps give you language that we don't have, because we are so mute when it comes to yeah. sex. We don't have conversations about it.
0: Yeah, for sure. I, thank you for that, I appreciate it. <laughs> um, I feel like it definitely plays a big part. Um, and it's also funny, because I wasn't gonna have him on this episode because I know that you cater to black women, but I felt like it was important even just to have him sitting here listening, even if he doesn't have much to say. Yeah. Just because I feel like that's a big part of like the orgasm gap, is like not having men be a part of these conversations, even if it is just listening in the room if they're just not a part of these conversations to take in the information and be like, oh, okay. So that's, you know, mm-hmm. that could be a thing. <laughs> a thousand percent. <laughs> be and fair, just...
1: um, because when Raven and I first got married, um, shame was like, and conviction was really rough for me mm-hmm. because, you know, if I'm supposed to be, you know, this God-fearing, head of household, you know, guy, or at least aspiring to that, you know, you're supposed to um, lead your wife down this road of purity, and you know, getting her closer to God, and that doesn't involve, you know, premarital goodness. sex. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? And even after we got married, it may have been like a year, honestly, to where I didn't feel mm-hmm. that shame or conviction. Even when we're having sex, we're we we are doing the thing that God blessed us to do, and I'm still like, oh man, Lord, we we really we really having sex, right? You we good, you know? <laughs> oh, no. no, but
2: that's so real. That's so real, yes. and that's that's not the first time. I've heard of men say that, but I've heard far more women share that perspective than men. And people do have, it takes a long time to be like, damn, is this really okay? Is the ring really on her finger? Like, is this certificate really signed? (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Before you feel fully, fully, comfortable in in doing what literally we're supposed to do as human beings and what our bodies are designed for. It can be, it can be very challenging. And I'll say this to add to what the two of you are saying. I'm a huge advocate for the women I work with to take these podcasts and not just listen to them for themselves. Don't just, don't you just be reading the article. It's incredibly easy in this day, day and age to share a link. Yes. Send the man the link. You don't have to have a conversation about it, but keeping your partner in alignment with your ascension and as your thoughts transition and change around your intimacy, like they could, they deserve to be a part of that as well, and they deserve to be updated in the language. You may or may not. Be using. So share, share the link, share the link. Baby, you got a 20-minute ride home. Like listen yeah. to this podcast mm-hmm. and come home and let's <laughs> chit chat about it over dinner. That can be incre- an incredibly powerful practice. Couples that have better sex, study show. Couples that have the best sex are often the couples that talk about it the most. Mm-hmm. Communication around sex is the I would say the number one way to improve your connection with your partner, if you're trying to increase frequency, if you're trying to just increase pleasure when you're actually having sex, talking about it is going to make it so easy to get to that level. I fully agree.
0: Um, and I also think it's funny too, because we'll like randomly, like just be thinking about it. Like, you know, like, you know, like you're just sitting there and you're like watching TV and I'm like, Hey, so yesterday, you know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, it's good. Right. Like, like, you know that, was like, Because I want to make sure it wasn't just good to me. Like, I'm not crazy. Like, you know, that was, that was all right. <laughs> and it's because yeah. I never considered the fact that like people don't talk about sex while being married. Um, because I feel like I'm a pretty open book as a person. So like when it comes down to conversations, there's not too many stones that are going to be unturned for me. Um, and so, even in communication with him, I'm quick to say, I don't like that. And I think that that played a part in the sexual experiences I had before we're married was like, I'm not gonna keep on going. Like, I'm not the faking orgasm type. i'm not I'm not gonna be uncomfortable <laughs> while you're comfortable. So like, for me, I think that that's interesting just to hear that, like even even the married couples that we know that are do not talk about sex. and I'm just like, why? out of all things, out of all yeah. things to, to nitpick over, sex would have to be number one because either we're going to do it and we're going to enjoy it or we're not going to do it because I just I just can't suffer like that. Like, I, it's just, it's like a, it's a finite line for me. It's a very finite line to me. So even to hear that you have couples that don't talk about it, that's very interesting.
1: A lot of people think that you should know, like, what to do when it comes to sex. Mm-hmm. Um, I have had... I men men sit in my chair all the time and talk about, you know, how um sometimes they're they, you know they're not meeting their wives' needs. You know, sometimes their wives are not meeting their needs. And, you know, I'm asking because the same way she there's no stone unturned with her when it comes to sex. I'm going to ask, am I pleasing you? <laughs> am I giving you the pleasure that you need, the pleasure that you're wanting? Because if we're going to be, if if I want you for the rest of my life. the one thing that i'm going (laughs) you know it it has to be good it has to be something that you look forward to it has to be something that you want and so i'm gonna make sure that that's something that i can help uh you experience and i tell them the same thing
2: yeah i like kudos to y'all because it's very clear that you all have designed your relationship relationship to be a safe space for these conversations. A lot of couples don't know how to do that, right? Raven, you being so vocal is a testament to the safety that Ahmad's created for you. And if you didn't have that, you would not feel free to express yourself, and it takes two to tango and it takes two to have a conversation. If you're in a partnership where when you're vocal about sex or you're offering guidance to your partner and they either shut down emotionally or they become aggressive or defensive, you're not going to be let. you're not going to repeat that. You're not going to engage with that anymore. And you'll just feel like, well, I don't know what to do because every time I try to express myself, he gets Emotional about it, or it feels like I'm breathing his ego or whatever. And a lot of people do feel like I'm supposed to intuitively know what to do with your body. And that is just when we really think about it is the most ridiculous thing. And it's, yeah. of course, it's it comes from media. It comes from porn. It comes from movies of these moments where there's explosive passion and nobody's talking about like, do you like this or does this yeah. feel good? And no one in the scene is going, actually, can you slow down? No one's offering guidance. It just two people come together and everything is perfect. But again, that's not how sex actually works. No. I, I I compare sex a lot to cooking. Do y'all cook? Yeah, yes, definitely. that's a good analogy. Yes,
1: very <laughs> much so. Really it's, good. A
2: good, it's a good, it's, if you're making a dish It's very rare that you're not going to have to adjust the seasoning or taste a little here and adjust something. And there's this, there may or may not, if you're like me, there may or may not be a moment where you're like, I don't know how this is going to go. I actually (laughs) don't know how this is going to turn out. Sex can be like that. It doesn't necessarily mean that when the dish actually makes it to the plate, it's not gonna be delicious enough and, and it's not going to be satisfying. But if you don't have the patience to sit at the stove and lower the temperature or add a little more salt or a little bit more of that, or get a little sure. experimental and spice you've never used before, you never are going to be able to get to that end result of satisfaction. And the same goes for sex. If you're not willing to go through those moments at the beginning where you're adjusting your bodies or trying different things or switching positions around and things like that, and you just expect everything to snap into place and be perfect, you're never going to get to that end result. So as a culture, I'm just inviting us all to let go of the expectation for sex to be perfect from the moment we jump into bed with our partners, or even every time. Sex is not going to be a 10 out of 10 every time you get into bed. That doesn't mean it's not worth it yeah that's I fully
0: agree
2: I fully agree with that
0: um and I think that's something that we talked about too um because it took me it took us repetitively having sex especially once we were like married and like together every day to realize that ejaculation does not mean satisfaction from either one of us and so that mindful like I don't have to have an orgasm to therefore feel satisfied right like I don't I'm like oh that was really good and I can have the rest of my day and I'm still thinking about it all day because it was still good like you didn't have to you know it didn't have to be this explosive moment for me to still be sexually satisfied and feel connected and be okay and knowing that you were also satisfied as well without it being you know a taboo thing or feeling like oh I gotta do something different the next time to get that reaction
2: goal-oriented sex sucks yeah not fun takes you out of your body and gets you into your head and the best thing I've done for my walk with my sexuality and my sex life is making orgasm like not the goal making it a second tier goal mm-hmm. making pleasure and playfulness and fun the number one goal of the interaction I'm a person that you know as I get older my body changes it takes me a little bit longer sometimes orgasm or I have to, again, adjust the seasoning, adjust the position, yeah. adjust all sorts of things to make things happen. And even still in the times that it doesn't happen or it takes a little bit more labor, it's still a satisfying experience because the orgasm is not my goal when we get under the covers, My goal is to connect with my partner and feel affirmed and to affirm him and to experience joy and pleasure together that's not to say I'm not advocating for people to not advocate for their orgasms orgasms are a wonderful thing but it also is a unique paradox in that the more you, you pursue it the harder it can be to achieve the more you're focused on it especially for women the more you're focused on it sometimes the more fleeting it can appear I fully agree. What does positive pleasure actually look like? Like if I
0: was coming to you and I was like, girl, I don't know where to start. Like, where would you guide me to start it?
2: Yeah. So my perspective and my vantage point as a coach is one of the most, the most important intimate relationship you will ever have is with yourself. And that's intimacy on all levels. If you are not honoring your boundaries, if you are not honoring your own needs, in and out of the bedroom when you're by yourself, it's going to be very hard for you to advocate for yourself in the bedroom. And again, what you shared about your comfortability to vocalize your needs, wants and desires, not only is a testimony to the safety in your relationship, but it's a testimony to your safety with yourself and your self-intimacy and your understanding of self because many people don't know what to ask for when they are uncomfortable during sex or when their partner isn't touching them in a way that they like they maybe don't even notice they're like oh well he's supposed to know what to do and i guess this is how it's supposed to feel right maybe yeah. there's something wrong with me or my body rather than saying no actually like i can ask for something else so we can yeah. move towards something else and this discomfort is not is not a part of what i want this experience to be so it comes from self advocacy it comes from self-exploration and self-understanding and self-intimacy. And then secondly, I would encourage people to interrogate some of their socialized beliefs about sex and intimacy, like, oh, my, we're just supposed to know what to do, or orgasm is the only goal, orgasm is a signifier of satisfaction or completion of the experience. Interrogating all of those things and tapping into a more authentic and and developed sexuality and viewpoint on sexuality is going to change the game for everyone
0: i love that i really really love that (laughs) so are there any mindful practices (laughs) that you encourage people to use in partnered sex or in solo sex in general
2: yeah it's aside from communication breathing is probably the most underrated sex tip If you, the next, I'm going to encourage you all to try this, the two of you and anyone that's listening. The next time you are going to be intimate, before anything starts, before any sort of touch starts, I would encourage you to lay side by side, like spooning, and sync up your breathing for about three minutes, and then sort of move into touching each other. And if you can, when you're together, try to sync up your breathing when you are together and just see what happens. In... In the mindfulness practice, and there are a lot of different faiths and different practices that it comes from, but they say that your breath is the lighthouse to the present moment. And the thing that people struggle with the most that speak to me is feeling present during sex. A lot of people are very distracted. They are either doing what we call spectatoring, kind of watching themselves from the outside, casting judgment and critique, worrying about their body, worrying about the sounds they're making, worrying about the smells their body is producing, worrying, 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 right? Um, Or they are understimulated and not really enjoying the sex that they're having. So they're thinking about other things. They're thinking about their to-do list. They're thinking about, well, when I get up, I'm going to go take a shower. I'm going to take out the trash. I'm going to da-da-da-da-da. And tomorrow I have to do and they're not present. So breathing is a wonderful way to ground yourself in your body and actually experience the sensations that are happening around you, right? Because if you're distracted. Your partner can be giving a five star performance, but you're not going to actually absorb or feel any of it because you're in your head and not actually grounded in your body. Um, other than breathing, I would encourage people to explore their senses. Something that has been very, very supportive to me that is incredibly surprising, but also not very surprising is I need a smell in the room. My mm. sense of smell, yes. So your senses, your five senses, right? We have sight, taste, touch, smell, and hearing. Mm-hmm. I think I don't, I don't. <laughs> That's how we know like, hey, I'm in a body right now. I'm a human being experiencing the world through these five senses. Obviously during sex, one that is very present is touch because you're touching the other person and they are touching your body, you're touching their body, right? So we have that sense covered, but we often forget about are four other senses, right? Having sounds in the room that are soothing to you. That's where you can have a playlist come in or like a white noise machine, whatever comes to mind or having the wrong sounds in the space. Your kids playing on the other side of the door or the TV is on or your neighbor is mowing the lawn and it's loud and distracting, right? Um, so for me, the thing that helps anchor me in the room, I don't know why <laughs> is smell. So having a diffuser going or having a candle going can be very helpful. In addition to tapping into my breathing, to helping me be more present and one sense can amplify another. So having that just keeps me grounded and helps me tap into the sensation of touch and sound and other things that turn me on and keep me present. So as you are exploring and you're trying to be more mindful during social partnered sex, I would encourage you to explore your senses. How can you tap into sound? What do you want your space to look like? I'm also a person that if there's laundry all over the room, yeah. I'm going really thinking about the laundry. So we might as well go ahead and take care of it, put, in, put it neatly somewhere and put it out of the room at least so that we can both be present. I'm not thinking about it. How can you tap into smell? Do you have a favorite candle that you like to burn or incense or a diffuser or something like that to help anchor you? Um, what kind of sounds do you want to have? What are the playlists that work for you and help keep you focused and feel in the mood? do you need sound at all, right? Exploring all of those things and seeing if that can help you be a lot more mindful and present during sex. I really loved it.
0: I definitely never considered smell. No. um, Like at all. <laughs> I've never considered smell. And that is very interesting. And the breathing thing too. Because right. I um I read Emily Nagowski's book, Come As You Are. um, And it really gave me the words for the cognitive dissonance that I didn't realize that that's what it was um because I am a very in my head person so like I my to-do list is always running like it's running right now like like while we're talking it's always running and so even just the dishwasher is going or I remember that I have to do run the dishwasher or like something needs to be done it's always always running and even in the book she didn't really talk a lot about breathing it was just a lot of like you know recognizing thoughts and sending them away but I never considered actually like intentionally breathing while doing that instead of just telling my brain to shut up in this moment and to be here. But I never considered adding breathing to that as part of that. I really love that. We're definitely going to try that. I am really, three minutes. Three minutes. for <laughs> three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> three minutes. Let,
2: me know. Let me know what happens. Let me know what happens. If nothing else, it helps you to both ensure that you're in the room and mm-hmm. that you've spent that time breathing getting fully focused, getting fully into your bodies so that when you come together, that to-do list that might be running, it might be running a little more quietly. And that's something I promise you almost every woman I've worked with has said to me, I'm, I feel like my brain is running this like program in the back of my mind of the things I have to do when I get up and it's distracting. And that's, you know, it's a, it's a, a larger issue that we have in society. We're expected to multitask, to be doing multiple things at at a time, to be juggling, and we don't live a very present and mindful life unless we're intentionally cultivating that. So uh, grabbing the thoughts and sending them away is something we need to be doing When we're eating, when we're walking our dogs, when we are washing our dishes, trying to cultivate a lifestyle where when I'm doing something, I'm doing that. And I'm not doing that on autopilot while also problem solving this other thing that impacts our sex life, whether we know it or not.
0: Yeah. And I also didn't realize how often I do that just in general. Um, And so but I'm only intentional about it in the bedroom. Um, because which is interesting, I've never tried to be intentional about it anywhere else, I've only tried to be intentional about it in the bedroom, so I'm definitely gonna add that too.
1: (laughs) Also, to (laughs) piggyback off the breathing thing, um, for Revan and I, like quality time is like really big on our you know, uh, love language. Um, but the most time where I feel like super close to her. Like, is at the end of the day, we're in the bed, we're finna go to bed and we're cuddling. And I I will fall asleep in the drop of a hat just simply because we're cuddling and I can feel her, her heartbeat. I can feel her breathing. And my brain is like, oh yeah, that's it. <laughs> so like, I, I, can really see, I can really see that being
0: a... uh a start to sex, yeah, yeah, for sure, mm-hmm.
2: yeah, yeah, just do it before bed because if Crash. you try to, do, if you're, it sounds like you're like me, and if this happens after like 10 p.m., no sex will be had, we will be asleep, <laughs> we will be asleep. Sleep. If my head like, yeah, on my this longer is longer
0: than 30 seconds, it's OB, so let's just not, <laughs> Call the day. yeah, no, see you in the morning, no. yeah. Yeah. yeah, I really like that too because I also never considered which is selfish of me not in like we're talking about it. I never considered the fact that um, he's not on go. So like even the consideration of taking the time to breathe beforehand together, I never considered, that's never been an intention to make sure that he's also present in the room because it's been about I know my mind's not here, so I have to anchor myself here. And while I'm anchoring myself here, I'm assuming that he's here already, right? Because especially if you're the one that has initiated it, mm-hmm. if I've initiated, my mind is here anyway. But like if you're if you're the one that was like, okay, well, let's do this, then I'm automatically assuming that you're here and ready. And that may not be the case. So that's also interesting with the breathing thing as well. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't consider that. Yeah. So. <laughs> what?
2: I like to think of um, life as foreplay and those moments where you get to slow down and be together. It's like four, 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 play. Right. We yeah. often forget that our brain is one of the biggest sex organs. Yeah. And if your brain is not locked in and turned on, then it can be very hard to get the rest of your body online and into the experience. And when you all are at, you know, together having dinner or, out buying groceries and things like that being present to each other being flirty with each other being open and cultivating a marriage that is safe like that's your foreplay and a lot of people underestimate that and the power of that and the power of like checking in and being like are you still here Mm -hmm. are you present to this right now or are you present and how can I help you get present right oftentimes it's not even the act of breathing or laying together or cuddling or having uh, having pillow talk or whatever that actually makes you feel safe it's seeing your partner be willing to give you that time and space mm. and create that with you that makes I told a story on my Instagram a couple of weeks ago about a night that I've been I'm I'm juggling a lot like we all are in life and when I'm stressed sleep and then sex are like the first thing to go I can't sleep and then I'm tired and like libido is in the toilet right but I was wanting to want intimacy and sex and I had this I kind of sent my partner on a bunch of activities and errands I was like I'm gonna take a shower will you get the room ready for us like get my diffuser get the playlist turn off the lights I get out of the shower and I'm like yeah I'm still still not (laughs) right I'm not feeling (laughs) like you did all this and he's not feeling he's like well and he knows me we've been together for six years like he he understands and he goes, okay, well, what do you need? And I said, well, will you rub my back like for a little bit and then we'll see what happens. And it wasn't the back rub. It wasn't the tending to the room that made it happen. It was his openness to letting me have my process and letting me take my time. And knowing that I can I can do all this, I can rub her back, I can get her diffuser and she may still not be ready and I'm going to be okay with that. That in and it of itself is what made me feel safe enough to be like, actually, yeah, we can, yeah, we can do this. Which is an underrated sex skill, like creating yeah. that creating people to be vulnerable is an underrated sex skill.
0: I really appreciate that. And I really agree too. Like, that's very oh, yes. interesting. Um, I love that. Ah, <laughs> uh, so I know that you talk a lot about solo sex. Um, so how do you feel like that plays into coupled sex? Because I was never, oh, of course I told you I wasn't like taught that masturbation that masturbation is a sin, but it was never something that I actually participated in. Truthfully, I don't think until like the last year or so. Like, as as I, and I think I like part it. of the reason being is because I never felt the need to. Um, and I, which probably comes from you know everything else, but <laughs> I think that, um. I just never did. And so when it came down to being like, okay, let's see if I actually, one, know my body, but like, how does that show up into partner sex?
2: Yeah. So a lot of different ways. I love this question because there are a lot of people that when they're in a relationship, their tendency to masturbate goes down or it goes away entirely. And that's fine. If you and your partner are synced up and you feel like you have a rhythm where both of you are on a similar schedule in terms of sexual frequency, great. But far more often people have mismatched libidos. People do not experience desire at the same time. So that's one way you can take the pressure off of your partner to be the sole satisfier for you is to have a self-pleasure practice, right? And even if that is not the purpose, I encourage everyone to continue their own private self-pleasure practice. Practice because there are things that you're going to be willing to try when no one's eyes are on you, that you can then discover about yourself, new positions you might enjoy or ways of touching yourselves or erogenous zones in your body that you won't necessarily discover when you're with your partner because they're watching you. You can then take those discoveries back to your partnered experiences it's incredibly important. And this can be controversial, but I'm going to say it. it's incredibly important for the individuality of your sexuality to continue to exist within a relationship and in, in a marriage. Yes. You need to have your own erotic ecosystem. You need to be allowed to have your own fantasies that do not include your partner. You need to be allowed to have time and space to be with yourself, whether you are engaging in solo sex or you're just fantasizing or you're watching porn or you read like a lot of the girls are getting into smut yes. <laughs> and I'm really happy for them they're getting into the <laughs> and audio porn. you need to be allowed to have that and cultivate that within yourself it's almost as if the thing I would compare it to is if you and your partner wake up and you go to the same job together and you come home at night and you sit down and have dinner like what are you going to talk about He was there the entire day for you, you know what I mean? He knows exactly what happened and exactly what you've seen. And unless you have a life and a relationship with sexuality outside of your marriage and outside of your partnered experiences, it's going to become very stale very quickly, unless you both are very, very enthusiastic and innovative and buying new toys and new pillows and things like that all of the time. So having a self-pleasure practice is not only nourishing to you as an individual but it can be a well that you can draw from to bring into your partnered experience is, as time goes on i really loved it um i really love that i i think
0: that really just helped me gain more understanding um and even finding more pockets to do so um yeah. i have also joined the smut gang tiktok got me hit. um and so i i was like oh i never even knew that this was a thing and even just like listening to it i'm like this is like real life sexy like this is like taking the the fake fantasy on TV and putting it into something like legitimate. Like it is actually, yeah. interesting. and I never even considered that that was one of even my own sense of foreplay because now it's like in on my brain where sex might not have been in the first place, but now it's a little higher up on my mental to-do list of like, I can do this today, you know, <laughs> like we can start this when I come home or like, you know, just putting me in the mood beforehand.
2: I mean, yeah, like, I love. It. I just was gonna say we have to continue to find ways to erotically evolve, and that's that's yeah. one. But
1: um, when it comes to like solo play, um, at first when Raven was you know exploring herself or whatever, you know I'm I'm gonna give her the space <laughs> to do whatever, do your thing. But I'm like you know, man, that's crazy. You don't you want to have solo sex? You don't just want to <laughs> have sex, baby? What's up with that? But I never said this to her, you know, this is all stuff that I'm working out within myself. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, again, I don't want you to feel insecure about taking the time to get to know you, you know. Um, but I realized I was like, just that, that it it shouldn't take away anything from the sexual experience that you have together, you know. And also just when you're in the mood, you're not always in the mood to fully have sex. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes, oh, I'm just trying to get get, get this done and get get it going. Okay. I don't I ain't I don't I don't have you know a half hour or an hour to to to, to have yeah. sex. No. I got, I got about 10, 15 minutes before <laughs> I gotta go take the trash out and go back to work. Yeah. <laughs> so I when I really like talked myself through that, I was like, you know, okay, well, since she's exploring herself, your turn.
2: Yeah. Yes. Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. And to, to piggyback on what you're saying, solo sex is often the only time that sex is only about us and we don't have to consider someone else's needs, wants, or desires. And just like Raven needs alone time by herself to just do her, go get her nails done, go on a walk, go shopping, do whatever you do to replenish and restore yourself, you need the same alone time when it comes to your sexual self and men do as well. There's a there's a lot less stigma around male masturbation. Men have a lot more a lot less mental conditioning around it or at least most men do and that realm tends to be a conversation that is a little bit easier to have when it comes to really exploring for men, that's where it can get a little bit touchy and weird like really expanding what your practice can look like. It can get a little um What's the word that I want to use? Men are usually used to their routine, but I want to encourage men to explore parts of their body that they perhaps have not yet, right? Because we, again, want to continue to erotically evolve as time goes on. Um, But yes, within your marriage, you should encourage each other. You should come up with code words and all sorts of signs and signals that says, I'm taking care of myself right now. Leave me alone. Take a step back, please. Because we need to allow each other to have that so that we can have a flourishing sex life together and your partner can remain like erotically intact for themselves.
0: I fully agree. I love that. And I never even considered having a co worker. So we have to come up with something. We have to come up with something. Just knock on the door. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, let's knock on the door. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. Do you have anything else you want to add? Mm -hmm. Do you have anything else you'd like to add, Portia?
2: Um doing really I don't good. think so. We covered a lot of ground, I feel like. I do too. Right? So I feel
0: like we did really too. Good. Yeah. Do you have a hood highlight of today's episode?
1: Um, my hood highlight for today's episode um would have to be that pleasure is possible for your partner, but it's also possible for yourself. Um, so do the work to cultivate the safe space for you to grow in those areas. You.
0: Um. I love that. Uh, I think my hood highlight would have to be, um. One, just how important a, a safe space is, um, especially in regards to sex. I feel like we talk about it a lot in regards to other areas of relationship, sure. um, but not as much as sex goes. Um, and also to remind myself that like it's okay to also be, have ownership over my own vagina because it is still mine whether you're here or not. Lord. Um. Thank you. <laughs> um. But even just the the remembrance and the that being a constant thought Mm -hmm. in my brain. Yeah. I love that. Thank you so much, Portia. Thank
1: you so much. This was really good. Thank
0: you. Thank you all for having me. This was so much fun. Thank you. We will have everywhere where to find you at in the um, description, but feel free to go ahead and say that here as well so they can hear audibly.
2: Sure. Yeah. Once again, my name is Portia Brown. I'm a sexual empowerment coach and sex educator, and you can find me online at www.theporshabrown.com. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter and TikTok at the Portia Brown, P-O-R-T-I-A.
0: Thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. So
1: much fun.
0: Until next time, everybody. Bye. (laughs)